0: What's up? And welcome back to Now Pod, giving you your weekly look at what's going on in pop culture. My name is Pat Sheehan, joined as always by my trusty co-host Dave Martin Swagger. Dave, how you doing, man? Doing well, my friend. Doing well. How are you? Uh, I- I'm. I'm curious right now, actually, because I-, I didn't talk to you about this. yet. I wanted to save it for on the air. That's right. It is November. Genuine
1: reactions only.
0: <laughs> November eighteenth, NBA draft. <laughs> How you feeling about
1: the Knicks tonight? Well, there's some talk of a trade-up, and I am not in favor of that. Stay put, please. Why
0: would they be giving up re- more resources to... especially in this Of draft? all
1: years to trade up, 2020 draft is not the one, and we've known that for a while. ay ay, very frustrating. But we'll see, we'll see. Uh, stay at 8 and 23, you'll be fine. Just... You want them to trade down, Possibly. Uh no, I think stay where you are, but God, to trade up and take Obi Top and would be even worse than just taking him if he slips. Uh, God, I don't want that. I don't <laughs> want that at all. We'll see. There's a uh, lot of movement. Al Horford was just traded.
0: Yeah, I saw that. Um, and and Bogdanovich, what n- nixed the trade or that that trade didn't go through? Something like that. So, wait, is that right? Yeah, that happened uh, about a half hour ago. I saw the the update from the Athletic. Oh shit! That that trade was put on hold so to speak oh, so fuck the nba Come on,
1: bucks what are you doing?
0: moving and shaking <laughs> uh, you know the 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 stoppage or like the halt going off has been very entertaining a lot of speculation um and you know dave every once in a while will pop on here with someone a little bit more well versed in the nba world than i to give his take so perhaps just be looking out for that if something interesting happens but we have a couple of interesting things to talk about this week. So hit that subscribe on YouTube.com slash NowStalgiapod or go to SoundCloud.com slash Nowstalgia to follow the podcast any way you want to, because we're gonna be talking about two chains today. Uh starting in the music world with our guy two chains, who I mean, I think the last time we talked about him was I mean, was his album last year, Rapper Go the League, which is an album Correct. we both found pretty enjoyable, felt like Hmm, maybe 2 Chains uh has a little bit more uh range than we thought he did. Maybe his mm. ceiling's a little bit higher than than we thought it was. Um so help me god, his sixth album.
1: Did that did it continue that for you, Dave? Yeah, six album, sixth solo album in 8 years for 2 Chains. Very very active. Pretty impressive. Um you know, of this recent string pretty girls like trap music from 2017 rapper go to the league last year and now so help me god this is quite easily my least favorite of the three and does not i think have as nearly as much ambition as rapper go to the league does let alone try to meet some of those highs so it's just kind of more of a conventional rap album from two chains with a lot of his trademarks and that's still fine enough for me but yeah, I don't. I, I don't. It almost had more of a mixtape vibe to me more than anything else. Like it, it seemed a little, uh, little uh low, low ambition, low effort. I guess not that bad. As bad, it was fine. There's some really good moments, like always from Two Chains. But yeah, not not nearly as impressive as last year.
0: Yeah, it it was actually kind of interesting because I think <clears throat> I found a couple of the moments on here really, really fun and exciting. Um, I think a couple of the features were were really strong, especially features from people I did not expect to enjoy the feature. So that was kind of nice. But overall, I think that mixtape vibe is is correct because uh, there's very little cohesion or or like actual like overall um, perspective on this. Like it's kind of just like song, 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 but Mm -hmm. not connected in any way. But uh, I did really like the production on a lot of these. Um, And you know, if you if you read through the list of producers on this i mean there's there's quite a few well-known people you know popping off mean, we had uh well chief Keef obviously was one but was not who i was gonna say first um you know mike well made it was on save me um let's see here, there's one other one that really oh mike dean obviously on feel away so like there's a couple of songs where you have some really big producers and i think the beats stood out even more so than the rapping did for me Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I would say. Yeah, it's funny because like when I think about Two Chains, nowadays as an OG, who's still like really funny with the punchlines, I think he can. De- he definitely still delivers on that. Like on Gray Area, old enough to be your daddy, young enough to fuck your mama. Like that shit's yeah. hilarious. Like I, <laughs> that comes up really in the list. I'm like, yeah, he still got that stuff, you know. And then, do even have the ambition to do something like he did on can't go for that with little yeah. sign which is flipping & notes like flipping hollow notes in rap in general <laughs> uh not common <laughs> to say the least so kudos for trying that you know it's, uh, it's 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 fine I think at the end of the day and uh <laughs> little Duval really having a big feature way after his moment in the sun has passed but that's that's all good I guess that's so that was funny to me. Uh how'd you feel about Kanye of course Kanye and feel away coming off two features off Ty Dolla Sign's album from a few weeks back as well so we've got a a bunch of new Kanye of late this one also featuring Brent Fiaz
0: yeah I actually thought this Kanye feature was pretty good Um, I felt like he came in pretty smoothly and um, you know I I wouldn't say he's anywhere near what he used to be I don't think he's even dropping really that memorable lines And, and maybe that actually speaks more to How low the bar is for him now for me, but the fact Mm -hmm. that he came in, he had a great flow and just kind of like gave a solid, unmemorable verse. I was like, oh, nice showing, Kanye. Like, didn't
1: embarrass yourself. So I'll go there. How how did you feel about it though? Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, considering uh, it's way better than that loose track he just put out. Um, fuck, what's that called? The one one has the uh the remix has a baby on it as well. I forgot the song. I thought that was pretty terrible. That recent track from from Kanye, so this this might be a little older to be honest like this might be something that, you know two James has had or yeah. had on the hard drive for a bit obviously as they're two two chains long been a good music uh, affiliate if not an official signee and i thought what immediately jumped out to me about this album when we found out about it because it was supposed to come out like a month ago uh the, the title so help me god notably one of the abandoned uh kanye album titles you know mm-hmm. after uh follow-ups to yeezus and and uh you know pre the name Yandi. like this is this is one of those discarded names from kanye and who knows he made an album in full that we never hear but i always thought that was a good name for like that thematic uh continuity from kanye so it's still kind of cool to see it uh continued in some fashion from uh, a colleague of his i wouldn't say that the you know that kind of theme really translates again on this album as we said it's really more of a mixtape vibe with just a bunch of tracks but uh, I think like most 2 chains projects, there's at minimum plenty to like here. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 definitely not his best. Yeah, what would the the tracks be that you might point people to for this album? Yeah, so I mentioned Grey Area as, as mm-hmm. a solo track and can't go for that just for yeah, kind of like trying stuff. I think for just like a, a rap cut, I thought Ziploc was pretty good. I like Kevin yeah. Gates on that. Um, Free Lighter. I, I actually thought Chief Keef was pretty good on that uh, with Uzi as well so I think those would be my favorites but towards the back half some of those other tracks didn't really do a whole lot for me the, the, the album kind of pitted out
0: yeah actually I think by the time we got to like vampire I was like okay I think that's enough we could have cut this to about 38 minutes probably <laughs> been pretty yeah. concise I, I think you kind of nailed it I, I did want to ask real quick uh little Wayne did you like his feature where, where are you at with Wayne he might be going to jail for quite a while
1: Yeah, I feel like I've heard that before, though, because he really couldn't go to jail, (laughs) like unlikely. But yeah, yeah, he's facing some some new charges as a as a felon. Not not great for him. Um, Yeah, like little Wayne is like Eminem to me these days, even if he actually is kind of good. I'm just like so biased and like over it with him that I just turn my ears off, I feel like. But he's still technically proficient and energetic. You know, that's something I guess. Yeah uh
0: i felt kind of the same way i did about kanye where i was like ah the bar has been lowered so so low for Lil wayne that this like serves as like a, a passable verse yeah. which is just really sad like um you know it, it's kind of amazing that both of them had the runs that they had but just to like still be doing what they're doing now it's a little uh
1: well it actually it's uh, an interesting uh comparison with 2 chains himself with Lil wayne if i'm not mistaken you know, little wayne is younger than two chains little wayne is 38 and two chains is what early 40s i think two, yeah. 2 chains is 43 and two Chains just feels leagues uh better and coherent and in command of his artistry than wayne these days you know
0: totally yeah no that, that, that's a really good point yeah i think two chains knows exactly who he is right now you know like he's he's not going to ever create like a, a my beautiful dark twisted fantasy but like you said he's gonna drop in with, with a verse here and there and drop a line or two that's memorable and get out and some mm-hmm. sometimes it, it, just knowing your lane is more important than anything else so
1: and i will say uh probably what, a month ago a month plus at this point he was at a joe biden campaign stop refer to the, this upcoming administration as different and then performed his classic, I'm different, which I thought was awesome. Cause that song is a classic.
0: Yeah, that is a, that God, that is a classic. Um, while we move on though to TV and something, uh, TV show that I'm not sure if it's quite a classic and I'm actually interested to see if this is even going to be a show you think is good industry on HBO. Um, the, uh, the newest, uh, HBO, uh, mini series, yeah. uh, eight episodes, created by Mickey Mickey Down and Conrad Kay. Um, you know, looking at basically like stock trading and and the the Wall Street of, yeah. of London investment so. banking, I think yes. specifically investment banking in in London. And you know, starring like a lot of people people don't know, which is kind of cool too. That this uh, has a lot of young stars, uh, headlined mostly by. my holla herald my holla my holla holla? yes yes Mm -hmm. i know the exclamation point threw me off um as harper Mm -hmm. who's like this new intern or or new hire and kind of like they're like
1: recent grad i think i think i think that the the pilot pitch is pretty effective right there are all these recent grads that fought tooth and nail to get a start at this prestigious fictional investment bank in london and now they're on in this six month like trial period where it's they'll find out based on their performance, if they're actually hired as full-time permanent employees and that pressure cooker uh, is mm-hmm. immediately turned all the way up as we see in the first episode, first two episodes. So I think that like initial hook of like just kind of being thrown into this high stakes financial world as someone in their young twenties, like I, f- I think that's a really effectively communicated right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, me and you, we're not we're not veterans of the uh, of high finance or anything, but I think it's notable wow. that Mickey Down and Conrad Kay, who are first time showrunners, are actually veterans of that world. Mm-hmm. So they seem to be of be bringing really Experience. some semblance of of realism or expectations. You know, I, I think the show definitely is going for it all pretty quickly but I, I I've been entertained so far i'm I'm curious to see more because it, it it's a little different of a vibe it's not like you can just pin this down as oh that's succession you know it's uh I think it because and it's it's also not as comic as like Wolf of Wall Street right it's almost more like i don't know like societal right like they kind of like they're kind of like examining their lives and what they're doing in this pursuit of money and what they're doing to themselves like I don't know how deep it'll actually get and if it'll achieve all these things but i, I like how it started
0: yeah I, I do think that the setup is effective i think i almost want to see more of stuff going on at work um because uh, i i don't know i i don't really feel super invested in a lot of these characters outside of harper um you know there's uh there's a lot of different things going on right so you have the the one guy who's like a total party like party playboy basically is going out of literally just ketamine
1: the first episode yeah and then goes to a work meeting the next day like good luck man
0: yeah (laughs) insane but i also feel like that's probably fairly realistic knowing some people in in this world in new york city um you know and and uh you know kind of looking at at these other ones like there's the, the the gay couple that's kind of secret about their relationship and seem to be kind of having some weird i don't know ups and downs in that relationship not really sure where they're at with each other um there's the the girl who is uh feeling uh, un unattended to or uncared for by her boyfriend and is kind of flirting with this guy at work and uh i found that interesting but mm. um you know i don't really find myself like caring too much about these characters but the time i do care is things like harper Totally crushing the the pitch at dinner and, and like the after effect of that, yeah. or or the the scene where they're at the the party after um, after the second episode, and that one guy is like being a t- total dick, and Harper like stands up to him, and right. then uh, her mentor steps in. I think his name's Eric. uh yep. steps in, and it's like those are the moments when I'm like, all right, this is like, I'm I'm in it. I'm watching right now. The other times, like, it's kind of just like the back and forth. So I'm not like super into yeah maybe that will come along further but i'm wondering if you have that same investment or if i'm yeah i think by
1: harper it. by far is the character you had the most investment in like i'm already like feeling the the dread about when they and find out about her uh falsified college transcript shout right. out, to, shout out to suny binghamton by the way um, <laughs> like they're, they're laying a lot on with her right like oh she also happens to be a black person and, at in this predominantly white workplace it's notable that there's a lot of diversity in the, in this fictional firm mm-hmm. and that's great for asking representation you know um but i don't i don't actually know how less that is for investment banking um, but yeah. like it's very noticeable right There's like like a, a, a lot of like diversity uh on the front yet she's still facing uh, or hearing about people having kind of more stereotypical like racist thoughts about her employment and her qualifications and stuff so we'll see again we'll mm-hmm. see how far they take that kind of stuff um i definitely liked ken Young as eric her mentor um i believe he's a veteran of, of lost probably most notably but kind of i like that energy he's having right it's like low-key like Matthew mcconaughey a little bit yeah like wolf of wall street his, his famous cameo right where he's like holds her the bat gives it the bat you know don't forget how this feels blah blah you know he's like he's he's gonna start pounding his chest soon i'm sure
0: yeah no i i think what makes him a little bit more like relatable as eric is he does have that vibe but also kind of like that sweetness like that that conversation where he loses that client right because he was like a a dick to his wife when they were out on some some dinner before Mm -hmm. you can see him like actually internalizing that and um kind of like stepping in later so you kind of see that this is a character who's going to be like that Uh, he's a dick at his core but kind of a nice dick in the long run which you kind of need i think to to succeed in that business in some way i'm also interested to see what comes back around about the like sexual assault basically that happens to harper in the first episode with that client who she Mm. makes her first sell to uh you know it's interesting because the first episode is directed by lena dunham yeah and um you know I, i it sounds like she might have some sort of like producing or like her hand into kind of like what comes out of this moving forward, at least in like maybe just a collaboration or
1: yeah, whatever role. I think she was billed as like a top producer when the show was announced anyway.
0: And I wonder if if that's going to come back around at some point, or that's just kind of going to be a one-off as like something that women in in this industry deal with. I don't know. It kind of just like came and went and wasn't ever really addressed again. So a lot to like, there's a lot of, balls in the air I'm just interested to see which ones they actually hit on which ones they don't
1: right and then you think about uh, her her colleague her fellow new grad uh, Yasmin right she's facing kind of this blatant misogyny whereas Harper really isn't seeing that from her co-workers they already kind of mentioned that so there's, there's a lot a lot of like those little grenades we've seen thrown off we'll see how many of them actually blow up in the end um, speaking of Lena's direction I, I, I really liked how that first episode is shot and like the visual style that's continuing the second episode like it's like you, you you feel like you're in a real place like it feels kind of real realistic and like those kind of close-ups on everyone like i i liked i like the visuals we're getting there and then you combine that with like kind of like the rhythmic like synths that they kind of throw in mm-hmm. from like scene transitions and stuff like i, I think i think the vibe is, is setting in nice you know and also i i've, I've like I remark on this a lot with with like business related shows when they do it, but industry doesn't like hold your hand about knowing like what the fuck those finance jargon terms mean, right? Just go with it because it's not mm-hmm. to the point the, the vibe right. and the feeling and the themes are communicated well. and that's actually what's important for the audience and, and for the success of the show. So like that, right? Like I don't know what the fuck five beeps means, right? But right. please keep saying it. It sounds great.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I think I think there's a lot to like about this show. I'm hoping right around like the middle of the season it really hits its stride and takes off for a great final stretch. I'm yeah. hopeful about it. So any last thoughts before we move on to some movies?
1: Uh, there was a Joji Gimme Love drop. in know. Think. Episode two, was it? Yep. One or two? Episode two. Uh, again, we've remarked that HBO <laughs> dropped the ball not using a Joji song for Run, the title track, the title song. Yeah, they used it in this uh man what could have been also i really like eric he had this line one of his first scenes where he's like talking about going to the restaurant nobu and then he like clarifies to like, oh, go pre-08 nobu it's like man, <laughs> like you can tell like there's a lot of t- there's a lot of care i think to, yeah. to the finance vibe going on so I- i'm
0: in um we'll, we'll be checking back with that as the season winds down but why don't we move on to a uh movie that just came to video
1: on demand dave did you see this one in theaters though personal history of david copperfield I, I i wanted to actually it was it was one of the first movies to like open backup theaters like the week mm-hmm. before tenet came out and it, it left the theaters around me kind of quickly and like i had been strategic like looking to go last minute when no one would be around and next thing i know really wasn't playing by me anymore mm-hmm. and it was all like reruns of like you know hocus pocus and jurassic park and shit you know So I I wanted to see it and I didn't actually get to it. So I waited until VOD as well. Just came out yesterday.
0: Well, and now that you've seen it, do you think Dev Patel as the title character David Copperfield is a good casting? Do you think he brings something to this movie that uh, really
1: elevates it to being a good movie? (laughs) I I I think he's good casting. Dev Patel. I think it just kind of has a winning energy to him and. Uh, that's actually one of the things I liked most about the personal history of David Copperfield was just how kind of whimsical and like good natured it was. Mm-hmm. And Dev can bring a lot of that, you know, Dev was kind of set up to have a big summer. He would he had two leading roles at the theater this year. And cause David Copperfield was supposed to come out in May in the theater. And then soon followed after with a 24 Green night, which he also is the lead. So tough, tough stuff for Dev there. But uh, yeah, I, I liked him a lot. I think he, because he, he, he was able to play off the kind of stacked ensemble cast well as his character kind of goes through the motions. But I think overall, the movie left me a bit underwhelmed. I had higher expectations for this because I knew it was well-liked at a TIFF last year. And this is the second movie from Ianucci after Death of Stalin, which I really loved. And I think I was expecting more humor um, like I think more obvious. like there's funny moments in this movie, but it's almost like more subtle. It's more like background stuff, you know. It's not like it's pointed, and precise jokes the way Veep or Death of Stalin are, you know. Um, and that kind of left me a little disappointed.
0: Yeah, you know, I, 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 there's something that just was not hitting for me with this. Um, I thought Dev Patel was was really strong. I mean, he's just one of the I think one of the best working actors we have right now um but I I do think like that whimsical nature of it and it's obviously told also as like a recounting of a story so there's parts that are played up and and you know uh very like interesting setup where like you'll even see like lines put on a screen to kind of like bring you into a different part of the story a different act things like that um and I think and in, in just kind of like processing out loud, the the part that I found myself not really um, vibing with was there was this like almost like uh, I don't know like young adult uh, adolescent feeling to it that I. I almost felt like this was a movie that almost could have been made for kids if a couple hmm. of things had been like changed you know well, too
1: familiar to Enola Holmes in, in, in the beginning,
0: yeah a, a little bit and I, I think I just was kind of left like uh is this movie really for me I don't really, don't really know uh, and I also do think my expectations be this being an Iannucci movie um were as you said for something that was going to be a little bit more like snappy a
1: little bit more like chippy and it wasn't really that no. And so obviously this is based off of David Copperfield, the famous Charles Dickens novel. Mm-hmm. Have you read that one? I have not read David Copperfield. Like I knew the name. I obviously knew it was one of his yeah. big titles, but like i d I wasn't familiar with it. Like, you know, Tale of Two Cities, Oliver Twist, Christmas Carol. Like I feel like he has more famous works.
0: Oh, for sure. Um, for the amount of times I've read the other ones, I I don't, I can't recall if I read this. The story doesn't ring a bell to me. And, you know, obviously it's about this like orphan, um you know, or child that was orphaned and sent all around goes on these adventures. Yeah. It comes, comes an author, things like that.
1: So I think like, you know, kind of the trials and tribulations of youth and the coming of age stuff, that's probably from the source material, as far as we know what we know about Dickensian works. Right. So it doesn't feel like Ianucci reinvented the wheel all that much. Obviously there's colorblind casting throughout this, which I, I really enjoyed because again, Dev Patel is a very winning presence. Obviously, a leading man uh, type actor, and you have really funny like supporting work from people like Benedict Wong, for example, mm-hmm. who I thought was just really funny as this yeah. drunk fuck, you know, <laughs> like uh, throughout. Uh, I really like the casting, but yeah, I yeah I yeah. was let down because this is something I would really been looking forward to, um, you know, and it, it's it had been in limbo, you know, because this was a movie that was put out in the U.S. by uh, Searchlight, formerly Fox Searchlight and it mm-hmm. been in limbo since the Fox acquisition and everyone's kind of wondering what's Disney going to do with this movie are they going to dump it on Hulu are they going to sell it to someone else and they're like ah you know we'll just send it off to die uh when theaters <laughs> open up and i actually looked it made like 13 million or so worldwide huh? i think 12 million of that or 11 million of that was world uh not in the US but mm-hmm. um, so it made, it made a little bit of money but yeah, yeah it, it, I, I just felt like I don't know, like, uh, the plot just kind of lost me a little bit. Like, I just had a hard time <laughs> being interested. And, yeah. And, like, again, like, all, all the parts that I knew about it coming in and, and even, like, seeing the scene, I'm usually kind of entertained. But, you know, th- this is obviously set in Victorian England. But, like, if I want something like that, I I almost wish it had, like, a real sense of humor the way Emma does. the Jane yeah. Austen adaptation from earlier this year. So, yeah, it, it, um, it let me know
0: you know i've been trying to think of what movie the like i get the vibe of from this and it the movie i think that comes to me is um the willy wonka and the chocolate factory but like the newer one the Johnny depp it gives me that feeling of of, like before they go to like the chocolate factory you know and i I mean that, that one's a little bit dingier this one's a lot more like brighter and whimsical like you said but just kind of like the overall like the beats to it and just like the the general sense of what they're going for feels like that and um you know i think especially when you have as many talented people working on this i mean you have tilda swinton benedict wong like you talked about ben Mm wishaw um there's a lot of big names Hugh laurie yeah hugh um, laurie obviously i forgot peter Um,
1: capaldi and gwendolyn christie like it's it's truly loaded
0: yeah you you expect this to to be something you're going to be talking about a lot. And in the end, I feel like this is just pretty forgettable in a lot of ways, which, you know, thinking about Iannucci coming off of Stalin, you know, and, and then V bending goes to Avenue five and this it just, mm-hmm. it's not, not moving in the right direction. No, no, sir. Sure. Um, you know, going back to Benedict Wong though, the moment when he keeps trying to get a drink and they uh, Tilda this what character keeps like stopping him. And then he, Laurie and, David Copperfield run by it like oh just have a drink like I know how much you love this <laughs> yeah. and he has, that was one of my favorite moments of the whole thing
1: yeah I, I also like the bit about how uh, David just lets people call him whatever he wants and his nickname changes like every like 20 minutes like yeah, uh, you know, like, stuff like that like some of the continuity with the characters I think is done well but the o- <laughs> I think the overall narrative I just thought it would grab me more than it ended up doing
0: yeah and I, I think because of that the third act um, really fell flat for me I um, found myself just like wanting the movie to be over unfortunately which you know um, not they they can't all be hits right Dave that's right that's right we tried but I'm wondering was The Nest uh, the, the newest uh, movie featuring Carrie Coon and Jude Law in the starring roles uh, directed by Sean Durkin was this a hit
1: for you uh, it's also like an incomplete for me Um, I think The Nest starts really, really strong, but also fizzled out a little bit, unfortunately. But you can also tell that there's just more competent filmmaking at the helm, right? Mm -hmm. Like no shots at Ianucci, but Sean Durkin, this is only a second film. His first film from almost 10 years ago was a big Sundance hit. And this also premiered, Nest also premiered Sundance earlier this year. But just from the jump with the nest, you you watch like those camera pans. You notice the like piano score drops at times, and like, you can tell there's a lot of like care going into it. And then, of course, it's angered by two I think really committed performances from oh. Law and Kuhn. But it's all, It was also a plot that didn't surprise me nearly as much as I expected, and kind of just fizzled out. And almost a bit off more, 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 more than it could chew. There's a lot of side plots in the nest. Uh, surprisingly, um, but I, I, I liked, I liked, uh, I liked enough of it. I guess. What'd you think?
0: You know, I, I think the the part that's going to stick with me the most is the the visual style of this. There's so many tight shots uh, from such unique angles, mm-hmm. um, and there's so much being com- <laughs> communicated by the actors who aren't doing the speaking um in this you know like uh, i think specifically carrie coon in this uh puts on like a display in terms of her reactions to things the way that she's responding to some of the bullshit that jude law's character is kind of putting out there yeah. seeing her face like uh, I, for- I forgot what was exactly happening i think they were at like a dinner party like kind of like halfway through the movie and he's like uh, one of his like people uh, co-workers giving a toast and i think mm-hmm. she realized like some yeah. lie he had told and that, her that face, was really well done just like slowly like melting was like devastating you know and i was like,
1: this is, carrie too, coon, so and, like yeah, this
0: is scary too so good yeah it's like carrie coon like totally like showing out um or like the scene with jude law with the uh, the cabbie near the end of the movie when the cabbie is mm-hmm. like talking about what we as you know what people being a parent's Needs to do which is try to give a better life and then he's like what do you want what do you want then he was like i don't know like just like that scene was so well shot and like you know the the cabbie not having a face that you can see in the shadows and like really like being this like it's metaphorical but like i think it done the tasteful not super over the top way was really really strong like this confrontation of himself almost so um I found some of those moments really good. But overall, I think I found myself feeling a little bit like listless and and almost like expecting something else to happen. Like it had almost kind of like a horror dread vibe to it at at points. And I was like, is there something else going on here? Like, am I missing something? Left me a bit confused at times.
1: Yeah, I feel like the audience is a little ahead of the, the characters at the end of the day, right? Like you realize quickly it's a marriage that's going to fall apart. And the big main source of that is going to be Jude Law, is a, playing a character that just spins a yarn, yep. and it's done in his whole life, evidently. Pathological liar. Yeah, and you see, you you see the latest yarn be spun before Carrie Coon's character and other people like actually realize it and openly acknowledge it. So, it I it, it felt too simple at the end of the day for me, and. You know, they, they there's there's some really good scenes between Carrie Coon and Jude Law, but I was kind of expecting like a true like Peter the way like Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver fight in Marriage Story for example like I had, there was no like actual big blow up moment like mm-hmm. like the separation kind of happens almost mutedly at dinner when she just walks off and then you get that great scene where she's just dancing her uh, anger away <laughs> in yeah. the bar by herself right but. Um. Yeah, it just felt like there was like kind of a spark that we lost at the end of the second act.
0: Yeah, it it was interesting because um I think there's a lot of a lot of like undertones and subtle messages that are trying to be portrayed by Durkin here, and the, you know, I think the one that fell most flat for me is whatever was going on with the the son who almost feels like an afterthought in a lot of this. Um, it's barely but, in the movie but then at times feels like he's playing like such a crucial avatar in this, you know, like, um, they have, uh, they have this moment where near the end, Carrie Coon comes home and the house is a mess and he's like locked in this room. And it's just like, yeah, I locked, uh, you know, I locked myself in because there was a party going on. It's like, uh, okay. Like, what am I supposed to, and then he's the one that's running out and like consoling his mom. And she's like digging up a dead horse. It just kind of felt very like the sun, wasn't I I didn't get the purpose of what they were trying to say what he was going through I think the oldest daughter made a little bit more sense but that was you know Samantha's storyline, like side plots were almost um I feel like a little too over the top where she was like getting pretty heavy into drugs um and pretty quickly it seems like in in their time there so um you know just there's a lot going on you know like you said and I, I think uh to varying degrees of effectiveness
1: yeah, you know it's funny. You you think about this. You think about industry, right? And like, if you're not paying attention, you almost don't realize that this movie's a period piece. it's set in the '80s. Yeah, and like the the lack of internet, the lack of Zoom is very present in like you know all the Jude Law's decision making, right? He's like, mm-hmm. we're gonna move the family so I can work at this London firm, and like it's a big deal that they're out at the countryside and not in downtown London, right? And his whole like, you know, he like. I feel like the first the first moment where I was like, oh, this guy might just kind of be a schmuck was when he's like talking about like regulation and how we need more deregulation. He's <laughs> like, you could tell he's a very like singular focused person and and he, the pontification he does about um, making your fortune, selling like commodities or whatever kind of trader he was. It's like, oh yeah, this is very like Gordon Gecko esque like the lionization of, yeah. the, of Wall Street and the stock market international writ large, you know, it's like, huh. And yet like I like there's really nothing redeeming about Jude Lost character besides the meta nature of the good performance, right? So it's like again, I I think I think the Ness is just kind of missing missing something to it, but it's still very watchable because there's two really good performances and it's still uh, well made. Like like you know, when they're at that like really fancy mansion that they move into and they're all like, I fucking hate this house. It's creepy. It's scary. And I'm like, oh, well, I mean, I, I live there if you guys don't want to. Like, the house looked fucking sick to me. And and Led Led Zeppelin
0: apparently recorded an album there. So I would I would definitely <laughs> at least go and stay a while. But, uh, you know, just speaking to the 80s vibe you talked about, um, I really like the soundtrack here. You know, you had Shaka uh, Khan, Heart, the Psychedelic Furs, The Cure. I mean, uh, really, really choice. And uh, it reminded me that These Dreams by Heart is probably one of like the uh, like og soft rock hall of famers man like w- w- what a fucking jam that is so um you know the the nest some good some bad little little mix uh, in between but uh now we're going to talk about things that are pretty much only good or are they because with the grammys can you ever really say that they're making the right choices in terms of what's good and what's not um it just degrees. it's never yeah. this or that with the grammys unfortunately and Dave this is going to be I feel like a really interesting Grammys year because uh, you know just reading through kind of like the the potential like people who are up for for things this year it's really all over the map like we're talking about Harry Styles fine line is still up which feels like it came out a decade ago (laughs) oh I got I, I got
1: thoughts on that my friend
0: um i i feel like I, I know what you're gonna say but we'll get to that you know the box by roddy riches is, is this uh, yeah and, and roddy riches album is all over these potential nominations too and it's like these songs feel like forever ago
1: and then well and and well, and, that's actually what i want to get to is the eligibility period for the uh, upcoming grammys which will be happening on january 31st was september 1st 2019 until august 31st 2020 like every year, that's what, uh, f- about four months, 9, 10, 11, 12, 1, four months in between cutoff and ceremony. And thus, that leaves you with albums at the next Grammys that feel old and from a different like year. The, gr- the Grammy calendar never makes sense. So let's just think about what albums from 2019 are eligible at the Grammys this year. Harry Styles Fine Line, Roddy Rich to the Big Contenders, but also Post Malone, Brittany Howard, FK Twigs, Kanye West, Jesus is King, Camilla Cabello, Charlie XCX, the other album for 2019, not to mention the one she dropped this year, Coldplay, yeah. uh, Sergio Simpson. Like it's these albums feel sense. feel old because they are. And <laughs> and and Post Malone, his album came out one week after Lana Del Rey's album but Lana Del Rey made the cutoff so we she was nominated at the ceremony we already had it's like oh man like they gotta fix this calendar it's bad it's it's it does nothing for anyone it's not uh, instructive you know like the box from Roddy and Harry Styles like those songs did permeate into this year right I acknowledge Uh. that but I I just don't I just don't think it's a smart way to organize this it almost feels like the recording academy like we have to have a cutoff that's far enough away that we can make these decisions. But like movies and TV, it's not nearly as big a gap for Emmys and Oscars. So you got to fix this shit.
0: Yeah. And, you know, the the natural thing feels like making like January 1st, the cutoff or even December 1st, because most of the time you're not getting many like big albums between december and middle of january that's kind of when it yeah. starts back up so it almost feels like there's like a built-in thing but you know if, if we know anything about the grammys that they'll like shoot themselves in the foot um I, I was thinking why don't we start with uh probably the category i'm most interested to talk about which is best new artist
1: oh god it's another one
0: you know look, looking through this category i mean the people on here that are being considered as a best new artist people like Megan The Stallion, Phoebe Bridgers, uh, Moses Sumney, Pop Smoke, uh, Blackpink. I mean, literally people have been putting music out for quite some time now.
1: Yeah. So I had similar thoughts. So I decided to look up what the fuck the criteria is for best new artists and the criteria like everything with the Grammys changes over times, titles change, blah, blah, blah. But right now it's an artist must have released a minimum of five singles/slash tracks or one album. Uh, okay. Or and also, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, they may not have been entered into this category more than three times. You can be nominated for best new artist multiple times, which feels very antithetical to me. Megan mm-hmm. Thee notably was nominated last year and was not selected. She why was she nominated last year? Because for Criteria 3, must have achieved a breakthrough into the public consciousness and impacted the musical landscape during the eligibility period. I don't know. Didn't Megan create a meme with Hot Girl Summer and mm-hmm. have a ton of viral success last year off of Fever <laughs> mixtape, which was great? Yes. Yes, that yeah. happened. <laughs> Why is she still a new artist? Yeah. It, it, it's idiotic. And then, like, you even think of someone who's a little less famous, like Phoebe Bridgers, um she's been incredibly impactful in indie rock for several years now about as impactful as it gets these days yep so why is yeah. she new doesn't make sense
0: i mean even looking through even further down the list um king princess put on, on an album i believe like two years ago that was really well regarded katranata has definitely two albums that are top notch and he's just now a new artist
1: you know um, and you think the calendar right like uh ktronata's last album came out what early de- december 2019 i think it was mm-hmm. the last like one that, yeah but that was his second album mm-hmm. shouldn't that cut us off already like, yeah it uh, was it 99.9 percent whatever the first one was called that that should have been it that that should that was the eligibility period we second album ktronata no sorry you're not new anymore yeah people it's... like you people talk about <laughs> He's 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 made it he's not new
0: it's it's uh definitely just feels very nonsensical and just kind of random. But um who who do you got? Who do you think yeah. will will get the nominations for this category?
1: Right. So along those lines there's been talk that like they're kind of fudging the criteria for <laughs> this year. So it seems like they're gonna put Megan the Stallion in, whatever yep. anyway. Seems like Megan the Stallions in the mix, Phoebe Bridgers mm-hmm. feels safe. Uh, Summer also, Walker. Summer Walker, Doja Cat. Mm-hmm. They they make sense, you know. I'd I'd like to see uh, Rena uh, Sawayama. You know, she's really popular, but not nearly as famous. That'd be really I think inspired pick. They've expanded this category to include eight people, so I think that's a wide breadth of recognition. Mm-hmm. Especially if you pick actual kind of new people and not like certified stars already like Megan. But yep, um, you know, I, I saw people throwing out Joji, another one that would love my, that made my eyebrows raise a new. But I guess right. he's still kind of new going to this criteria, so that that'd be great. You know, um, Fike fits as well, and I think the big one is will they nominate Blackpink for yeah. Best New Artist? Blackpink played Coachella in the spring of 2019, but I think they still count. And you know, they haven't released a whole lot of music for what that's True. worth, but they're global superstars already. But I think they definitely really want this recognition. So, you know, tough to tough to say that they don't actually count.
0: Yeah, you know, you named off a lot of the ones I had. A couple I just wanted to throw out there, and and this one maybe I'll start by asking you, Pop Smoke. Think he's gonna get that nom?
1: Yeah, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> Best new artist kind of has an aura of, you know, the the prequel Star Wars. I mean we'll watch mm-hmm. your career with great interest. Yeah, you well, we can't do that with Pop Smoke. He's passed. <laughs> like, right? I, I think that that's kind of disrespectful. Actually, mm-hmm. it's like it's like a backhanded compliment. But if again there's... pop smoke made cultural impact last year in rap mm-hmm. but the grammys didn't notice that of course but if if there's one thing
0: we know about the grammys that they will do something they'll put their foot in their mouth i could see that this being it um i i actually am gonna predict that morgan whalen Who's been a uh, rising young country star? You know, we, we talked about him a couple of weeks ago because he was supposed to perform on SNL and didn't follow COVID regulations. Um, he's he's been rising. I think he he has a good shot. And also Phineas. You know, last year Billie Eilish cleaned up, and Phineas was up there with her. And I, I just get the the sense that they're gonna probably want to get the Eilish people involved in some way.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was thinking like in other categories, Billy had some loose singles come out during this year that. Would feel awfully hand fisted to me to give like top tier award nominations to, uh-huh. and Phineas is kind of the same way like this is not an acknowledgement of Phineas's songwriting and production ability that he does for his sister. This would be him as a solo artist and uh-huh. he has only a handful of songs to his name, but also right. they haven't made actually that much of an impact like the criteria of best new artist impact i don't think Phineas the solo act is actually Uh, deserve earned that in my opinion
0: no i i agree but um i I could see the grammys just wanting to get that name up there honestly i'd be happy with this category you know if outside of megan and you know phoebe bridgers we kind of expect to get nominated if we get moses Sumney and black pink in there in some way put whoever else you want in there like recognize like the real talent um all right why don't we move on to a different category why don't we do um we do best rap album i think it's uh interesting because when looking through this category uh, the first question that comes to mind for me is how many posthumous nominations will we get here you know we have mac miller um who i think might have a shot uh juice world is Mm -hmm. potentially in the mix here um yeah, you know, I think if we even look a little little bit further down, there's uh, there's one other that came to mind that I'm not yeah. seeing. Right and pop smoke, yet. of course. Yes, pop smoke. Thank you. Um, so, well, how many do you think we're going to get? Zero, one, two.
1: Mac Miller was notably nominated for swimming the previous or two Grammys ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two Grammys ago, and I could see that, but I'm I, I'm going to say no. I, I think thinking about the spots, right? Like Roddy Rich, clearly a lock mm-hmm. for this category no problem with that rtj run the, run the jewels for better freaking get nominated than it. i don't think rt3 was even nominated if i remember right but like i i think that that's pretty safe also little babies my turn not as high on that album is a lot of people but i think that's pretty safe given the year little babies had megan the stallion sugar maybe I- I'd rather they just recognize the, the songs for her, like Savage, I expect to get nominated. I don't know if you need to acknowledge that project, but mm-hmm. maybe, you know, since the, well, the campaign does. Obviously, her, her technical debut album comes out this Friday. Um, so that leaves you at a few more spots, right? I think Roddy, RTJ, Little Baby for sure, maybe Megan. That leaves you with one or two more. Um, I think Pop Smoke is right there, given how big that album has been. Same thing for Juice World, uh, And then I think, the other, only other big contenders probably uzi with eternal take that means that freddie gibbs alfredo doesn't get in that means they don't pick the baby for last year kirk which no. that's fine with me uh logic <laughs> i mean i, I wouldn't mind logic actually i really liked no pressure but it's it's a tough category only picking five
0: yeah it is a tough category i i hope my my big hope is that run the jewels wins and if we get one surprise
1: nomination please make it alfredo like yeah. please just like it, or one of the griselda guys maybe if they pick benny the butcher for some grace of god I, that, right. those albums are not famous enough but like that would that would be great i'm not worried about eminem getting in i feel like they've, <laughs> they've, they've actually stopped doing that just good um, I, i'm gonna put my that. guy polo g to get it but i don't think that's yeah. happening
0: my my last prediction is, I do think Mac gets nominated for this category, and there's like a, a celebration for him, so to speak.
1: and I, I think that's part of the thing, right? It's like you have three really high profile posthumous rap albums.
0: Mm-hmm. How do you nominate one over another?
1: Yeah, I, I think I think it's a fine line to walk.
0: I, I think like the differences um circles is like known for like being one of the best posthumous albums in terms of taking what was recorded. And he had a lot of it recorded, but like piecing it together yes. in a way that sounds like a actual album. Whereas like juice worlds, when we talked about it, was like pretty disjointed. There were some moments where you're like, okay, juice, like had something there, but like, yeah, overall just felt like it was a posthumous album.
1: And I think maybe they could fudge it uh, juice Worlds song with marshmallow come and go pretty big. Maybe you could put that in like the electronic recording category. Ooh. Also, I saw some love for Pop Smokes Dior, which I think technically came out in its original form before the old the cutoff, mm-hmm. but then was re-released two additional times within this period, and we know they're probably gonna fudge stuff. So maybe you can recognize Dior and you don't have to nominate the album like and then you nominate Max album like that I think makes sense to me logically, but it, there's there's a lot to it.
0: Yeah, there is a lot to it. Why don't we move on though to uh pop vocal
1: album yeah this is uh, loaded with names yeah
0: a, a ton of huge names here and um you know there's going to be a couple people that i think get some pretty big snubs and i want to start though with basically a, a person who very publicly in the last year acknowledged how hurt they were by all the grammy snubs they had before and that's taylor swift mm-hmm. do you She's expect back. do you expect her to be back in it
1: mm-hmm. yeah i mean lover was nominated in this category too which is the bigger mm-hmm. ones that was be yeah, a folklore for sure Is getting into pop vocal album i think that's actually what makes this one so tough is i think there's four really safe picks and that leaves one 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 to fight over right you got taylor swift's folklore the Weeknd's after hours harry styles fine line and dua lipa's future nostalgia that's Mm -hmm. four right there four heavy hitters four huge albums uh four really liked albums despite what me and you think about the harry album and that leaves that fifth one right and then on its face i'm like oh is that just post malone penciling in right now but i don't know i just want to say that harry album has really grown on me but uh ooh, ooh, ooh. don't 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 do this to me man
0: <laughs> uh yeah I, I don't know if it's top 500 albums of all time good, good. but it's uh certainly grown on me um you know it, it feels like this could be post malone hollywood hollywood's bleeding right there but i have my eye on uh lady gaga i I think i think if anyone else can get in there it's probably her my my wish like if i got to pick it you got to put bts in and i I could see them maybe doing that just to like get that viewership i mean that Mm -hmm. would create a lot of online viral moments for them if anything the grammys since they've lost so much legitimacy in terms of people actually caring about them i think just having the most eyes on them is probably the goal in some respect
1: yeah I'm hoping BTS, like, maybe, like, record of the year, they could nominate Dynamite, which d- did get in under the the cutoff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's tough, right? Because that fifth, that fifth spot, Post Malone, BTS, that leaves really no hope for uh, Halsey, Doja Cat, Camilla, nope. Selena Gomez, Charlie XCX twice, um, as well as Justin Bieber, who we probably expected to get in this category before we actually heard changes. So... <laughs> It, it it's really loaded. It's really, really loaded. But yeah, I mean BTS, man, if Map of the Soul Seven was picked, that'd be huge.
0: That would be huge. Um I, I'm I'm hoping for it. But let's let's move on to different categories. Song of the year. I have a I think I have a bit of a dark horse one in this one, so I'll oh. save that for the end. But um yeah, what well, what are the safe ones? Blinding Whites by the Weekend. Yeah. Probably don't start now from Dua Lipa. Yep. Um yeah, you know, th- this, th- this i think those the two
1: those two big ones and probably the box from roddy yeah those feel very safe for both record and song of the year i'm pretty sure and then How there's we, i don't know there's only a handful of other ones that i can really think of like maybe a taylor song gets in here there's a few uh, cardigan I'd
0: adore you probably from harry sure yeah. um
1: circles from post malone yeah it was huge rain on me like those ones immediately hmm. jump out to me I think the the one that probably uh, this is what
0: I'm picking is Marin Morris yeah. the bones. Cause that, that, that track is Podium. just like, everywhere. Um, you know, it's, it's eight to one right now. Um, on, on betting sites and that, that one just feels prime because, uh, again, country music is huge and that song literally every time I turn on the radio, which I don't do often, I hear it. So yeah. <laughs> country
1: wise, cool. I feel like Marin Morris and, after that, probably Luke Combs are probably the yeah. most likely to be celebrated. Um, those those two albums are probably the most likely to get into the the, the, the top album category album of the year. Um, for a record song of the year, I don't know, maybe, like I mentioned Dynamite from BTS was already, maybe you picking on a rap song, Savage from Megan, do the remix with Beyonce perhaps, um, Rockstar, Baby and Roddy. That was a huge, huge smash. Um, so... One one aspect I
0: haven't really brought up in terms of storylines is, um, you know, music, uh, oftentimes a form of protest and commentary on the the cultural world, and it's something that is usually commenting in real time. Whereas movies and TV often lag behind a year or two based on the time it takes to develop. Music is very current. What are the ch- what are the chances you think a song like "Walking in the Snow" by Run the Jewels, which very clearly is a commentary on an issue, in terms of yeah police brutality that's captured the nation this year gets a nomination solely for a reason like that
1: i think that's a good thought but i actually don't think that's the right choice i think well the choice they would make it's the better song i think if they're going to do something like that though it's little Baby's the bigger picture <laughs> which was a bigger song got a lot a big pop when it came out right after uh george floyd and all that but it's a song that's way less pointed and about its message and it's all to me, it's actually like a really like yeah kind of cowardly song that doesn't actually say fucking anything. It's kinda like a both sides bullshit song. Yeah. But I feel like <sighs> if they're gonna pick something, it's that. Also given the high profile little baby has had for all of twenty twenty.
0: I haven't been paying like a, a ton of attention to her this year. Um nope. but Certainly she also not. she does have that song I Can't Breathe, which I, I can mm-hmm. see potentially falling in this category and she's much more beloved and kind of anointed, um, over the last couple of years by the Grammy, um, you know, foundation. So, uh, I could see that getting there. It's interesting cause it's, I, I see Fiona Apple on here and going with like things that are affecting her current times. I mean, fetch the bolt cutters feels like a pretty safe bet for like album of the year, but yeah. I don't know if there's any song that's going to garner attention off this. You think?
1: No, I mean yeah. record and song of the year, they don't actually they don't often do like kind of like under the radar pick. They'll do that with album of the year, right? Mm -hmm. Like um, shit, two years ago, I forgot who won, but like um, it it was that kind of choice. So I think Dion Apple's kind of a lock for like, that's the pick, right? Like it's not as mainstream, but it's critically adored and all the grand people certainly love it and it's well, well well-deserved. So yeah, I think fetch the bull cutters for sure is there, but song wise. Yeah. I don't think that's super likely.
0: Yeah okay well it seems like a lot of this is going to be going chalk we're going to be seeing a lot of the weekend here why don't we talk real quick about record of the year um you know looking here again the ones that feel safe um Dua Lipa, the weekend post malone circle savage meg meg the stallion um probably the box by roddy rich rain on me uh, lady gaga adored probably somewhere in there Any you know, kind of stand out to you?
1: No, I think it's kind of the same mix. Like, maybe a different Taylor song is picked for each category, right? Record is more about the production of the overall song. Song of the Year is more about the actual songwriting. Hard distinction to make for the average person still, but technically the artist doesn't actually win for Record of the Year. They're just listed as the name, so you know the name of the song. Anyway, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, like I said, I hope uh, BTS could get one of these, but I find it awfully hard to delineate it, picking what's going through this one and not that one, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, (laughs) I don't even really know what I would pick to differentiate. I guess maybe, like, I'm thinking about the song right on me. Like, there's some production moments in that that stand out, so maybe that's where I would lean. But, you know, I I bet this will probably go blinding lights, if anything. All right, now, finally, album of the year. Uh, We mentioned uh, The Weeknd. Definitely in there, Fiona. Probably Dua Lipa. Probably Taylor. Probably Harry. I mean, that leaves us with only a couple other ones. What else do you think is going to be in there?
1: Yeah. So from there,
0: I mean, RTJ seems like it might. RTJ
1: maybe. Post Malone maybe. Uh, the chicks maybe.
0: Oh, I was gonna say. I think.
1: I think the chicks are in there. Dog. Mary Morris or Luke Combs, perhaps. And then, then I think how 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 committed are they to this would they pick bts here would they pick bad bunny whose first album he dropped this year was critically mm-hmm. adored, burn a boy twice as tall we know that'll get a best global music nomination the new yep. name for world music um but would they actually acknowledge it in the big dogs as we said la- uh, earlier this year when we talked about the ceremony in uh january or february whenever it was um a black person has won Album of the Year like once in the last decade or so. When Bruno Mars won, mm-hmm. um, to even nominate a Bad Bunny or a Burna Boy or BTS is very big change. Yep, it speaks to changing attitudes and a, I think more of a recognition of the global enterprise that is uh, music consumption now. But I'm not super confident about that, that happens, right? Like for all we know they would pick a pretty middling Childish Gambino album because we know the Grammys love Childish Gambino.
0: Yeah, you know, it, the the lack of faith that we have in the Grammys is so disappointing, dude. Because <laughs> like, uh, you know, a couple of these albums, I think, definitely deserve to be up there. But the fact that, like, you know, uh, uh, just scrolling through this list I have in front of me here, something like RTJ or... Um. Yeah, I'm thinking about like the like Phoebe Bridgers album, like Punisher. Mm-hmm. That feels like one that should be nominated, but the chances are very slim. I feel no. like you know, yeah, you just
1: stuck to the genre categories of that stuff. Yeah. Tame Impala, same way.
0: Yeah, it's like you know, uh, an album that was one of our favorite albums of last year, Magdalene from fk Twigs. Like <laughs> it's a hundred to one shot. Like this, yeah, no chance. So which is so really, really disappointing. <sighs> I don't know, man. Um, who who do you think wins this category in, in the long run? Dua, Weekend. I don't
1: think Dua's going to win, but I think she gets nominated. I think it's Weekend or Taylor Swift, really.
0: Yeah, I'm um, I'm hoping for Fiona. You know, she's very sure. lauded and critically liked, if yeah. not popularly. So if there's that Dark Horse one, it's probably her.
1: I'm expecting Blinding Lights to win at least one of the that two places. song awards, and that's oh. fine. That That's very deserving. Um,
0: oh, you mean Super Bowl halftime performer the weekend? I'm super with that, by the way. That's yeah. a great pick jay-z really stepping up there you know he had a big say in that so (laughs) pepsi halftime baby (laughs) (laughs) woo feel the excitement any last thoughts on uh on uh this uh grammys
1: nominations uh we'll check in next week or no sorry two weeks these nominations are announced tuesday tuesday uh 24th yeah well we'll chime in at some point on what inevitably goes right and wrong (laughs) but um Yeah, you know, honestly, like, there's a big, there's a big pile of people that you're confident. I feel like they're gonna do like a mostly good job. It's just whether there's a a mission here or there that really ticks you off, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not gonna be a disaster, but there's just gonna be disappointment, like always
0: like always and uh hopefully we didn't disappoint you this episode so if we did uh direct all of your tweets at martin swagger and if we didn't follow at nostalgia pod on twitter as well as hit the subscribe button on youtube and go to soundcloud.com slash nostalgia pod you can follow the podcast any way you want to dave what should people be watching listening to consuming for next week
1: uh, they should be listening to the best new artist nominee Megan The Stallion dropping her official debut album "Good News" yep. on Friday, as well as BTS dropping their second album of 2020, B. Um, very excited about those two huge records. Um, I believe one of the Megan tracks is called "Shots Fired," so we can hear um, go off on that. Tory rock, Tory Lane. Lane. very excited yep. about that. And we're also getting the start of Steve McQueen's. Small Acts Anthology series slash anthology film series, kind of like a Black Mirror. Some of these are more feature length. And the first one on Amazon, it's BBC and Amazon, Amazon here. First one called Mangrove, which was actually shown at New York Film Festival. And it's supposed to be great. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm happy that we're getting a five week run of this as opposed to the Black Mirror, here it is all at once, drop that netflix does so that's good and then there's also uh, a new movie from anish Chaganti, who we remember from searching a few years back with john cho his next movie run is a thriller with sarah paulson supposed to be really great as well that'll be on hulu on friday
0: a lot of stuff to
1: watch a lot of stuff to
0: listen to stay tuned to nostalgia pod and we'll see you next week